Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Good morning, everyone. Hey, welcome to everyone watching online. And as Al said, um, yeah, I'm the associate pastor here, and just such a privilege to be back up here having a chance to uh, preach and share God's word with you this morning. And uh, I want to speak with you today about something, if I'm honest, that's been a bit of a journey for me. There's moments, I think, where you preach where um, I think it probably resounds a little more deeply. And I think this is probably one of those messages for me. And it's been something that um, I've been thinking about a lot, particularly since the start of the new year. And so it's going to come out of that place. And the title of this message, if you are the note-taking, note-making kind of person, is Finding Faith for the Call. Finding faith for the call. And um, it's, uh, this uh, moment comes from the story of the call of Moses in the Old Testament. Last week, if you were here with us in church or watching online, you might remember Al talking about Moses uh, holding the staff in his hand and all that it represented about what God wanted to do in and through him in his life and ministry. Right? Who remembers that? Just give me a little wave if you're out. Okay. Great, and Exodus chapters three and four describe this long conversation that takes place between Moses and the Lord in the presence of a burning bush, if you know the story well. And with the short time that we've got together, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read six verses, the opening six verses of this conversation, uh, to set a framework for us about how we might uh, pursue faith for the calling that God has on each of our lives. Amen? You with me? So we're going to do that, and then we're going to sort of lean into the conversation. I'll pick up bits as we go, and we'll jump in there. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you take it out right now? We're going to go to Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 6. And it says this. So now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Quick side note here. Here you see a prophetic testing of a future calling for Moses, right? One day he's leading sheep across the wilderness. In the next season, it'll be God's people, right? It's a prophetic testing moment. Uh, Verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that. Uh, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. just want to pause there and ask you the question, have you ever thought God is after your attention? I've never seen a, uh, a sort of a contained, but, um, you, you know, like, un- continu- like continuous, unputter put-outable fire. I don't know how you say that word. Um, But I think if I did, I'd be intrigued, right? This is a moment where God is after Moses' attention in uh, in this moment of time in his life. Verse 4 says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, 
and the God of Jacob. As we jump in here, what I want you to remember is that God speaks prophetically. He is speaking prophetically to you like he was in the joining together with Moses calling to lead sheep to then lead people, be a shepherd to the people. And he's after our attention. And this moment is holy. You know, the only holy thing about this moment is the presence of God. And so I'd love for you to pay attention to the presence of God as we share this time together. Because what it did for Moses, it it caused him to take off his shoes. The experience changed. It changed his behavior, his interaction, his approach. And I think it could be the same for us. So let me pray as we jump in. Father, we just pray right now that you will speak. Speak prophetically about our futures, about our present, about our past, Lord. Meet with us. God, change us, reshape us. And help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so what follows this conversation in the verses to come is this long conversation in which God makes it explicitly clear to Moses that he has a really clear plan and purpose for him and for his life. But then also what happens is that Moses makes it explicitly clear to God that he thinks he's the wrong guy for the job, okay? He sets out um, what is going to be five sets of reluctances or insecurities uh, that have convinced Moses that God has gone after the wrong guy. And I just wonder, have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt sort of insecure about what God, just me? Fine. Okay. Um, Well, I'm going to share anyway. I mean, a few examples a long time ago now, but um, even before I went to university, I I struggled a bit with education. I I didn't, I never found it natural. I kind of got through it all. I got the place in the university I'd applied for. And uh, the summer preceding it, I'd gotten myself to the point where I thought, this, this isn't for me. Like, I'm not cut out for this. I, I can't do this. And so um, I called up the university and I said, hey, like, I'm really sorry, but I, like, I just, I don't think this is for me. Um, you can give my place away, right? 29 hours later, I freak out again, uh, having just given up my future that I'd worked quite hard to get. And, uh, and I took some wise advice and they kind of said this question to me. Do you think insecurity is leading you? I thought, oh yeah, maybe. So um, I called the uni back and say, oh hey, I'm, I don't know if you remember me, but uh, um, I just, I don't, I suppose you might still have my place available. And they said, oh yeah, don't worry, this happens all the time. We'll see you in September. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Um, good to know that insecurity goes beyond just me. Uh, and then another time, I think, where I really felt a sense where God was calling me into ministry in the church full time. If I'm honest, what it felt like was that God was tearing me from everything that I loved in order to lead me into that which he was calling me uh, to be and do and that sort of thing. And yet, if I'm honest, it didn't feel uncomfortable. It didn't feel comfortable at all. It wasn't a particularly enjoyable process because it, it meant moving, leaving the people that, that my wife and I, Jen, had really grown to love. There was a lot in that that just didn't sit well with me at all. And it led to these questions of doubt and insecurity. Like, is this really, God, what you've called me for? Because it doesn't feel good right now in the conversation. And then one third final example, even at university, um, I had a great group of friends uh, in my sports team who um, got to the point where we, uh, they obviously felt close enough to me to give me a nickname, uh, Chicken Legs. And, um, and this um, would describe someone who's maybe like thin around the knee and the ankle. I like to consider myself like shredded around the joints. But anyway, we kind of disagree 
on that front. And um, but it can create insecurity. Can't you? you know, like on my stag do, guess what? My friends decided to dress me up as a chicken. Yeah, you know, do you know what I mean? And so, um, can you all stop looking at my legs? I'm just. Saying. But like, isn't it funny how things create insecurities in us that maybe help us? You know, I gave up a life in leg modelling to come do this. I'm joking. I don't know. If, if, just in case you don't know me. And so we're in this moment where Moses is full of doubt. He's full of insecurity. And he's convinced himself that he uh, has to be disqualified from the call of God, that he is articulating to him face to face. And I think that these five reluctances uh, that he uh, displays before God are cover themes that we can all relate to on a personal level. And uh, I'm just going to run through them right now. Uh, Moses tells God about these five things. Firstly, about his character flaws, that he is a flawed individual. Anyone relate to that? That your characters, okay. Um, Exodus chapter three, verse 11 says this, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go? I wonder whether you've ever felt like that, where you feel like God has called you to do something and you get wrapped up in the doubt and the insecurity of, wait, like surely not me. If you knew me, God, if you really knew what was going on in here and in here and maybe in my past and maybe my thoughts about the future, you'd never call me. The second insecurity, just two verses later, is he says to God, he tells God about his lack of knowledge. Uh, Verse 13, he says, Moses said to God, so suppose I go and they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell him? You know what I mean? He's like freaking out. I don't know enough. I've not got enough grades. I'm not articulate enough. There's no way that I can be the person uh, for what you are calling me to do. Reluctance three. He is lacking in faith. Exodus chapter four, verse one. Moses answered, well, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? Do you ever get that feeling? Do you know, like thinking Alf on Wednesday, Al said, hey, why don't you write down the name of a friend, invite them along, and then you get that seed of doubt where you think, what if they don't, what if they don't believe me? What if they call me a, a fool? This is at play in Moses' own heart too. And then his fourth uh, reluctance, Moses talks about his lack of gifting. Exodus chapter four, verse 10. We're covering quite a lot of scripture. I just didn't want to use the whole time just reading the Bible. I'd love for you to go away and read it. But Exodus uh, chapter four, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, oh Lord, (laughs) I love it. Oh Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And then fifthly, he expresses his fear of failure. Exodus chapter four, verse 13. But Moses said, oh, Lord, please send someone else. <laughs> I like, if you give it to me, it's going to fail. <laughs> that, that kind of like, if you let me lead this thing, it will be the first time something goes wrong in the history of things going wrong. He is like lacking, 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 isn't he? He's expressing such a sense of lack. He's got no faith for the call that God is inviting him into. And maybe for you, you're literally in a moment today where maybe you're waiting for a literal call about something. Maybe you're waiting for a job call or a job response. Maybe you're journeying through a diagnosis or suffering or illness, waiting for something to change. Maybe you're recovering from a uh, mistake or a broken relationship, longing for reconciliation. Like, what are the things where you find yourself waiting but lacking faith to believe for what could be to come?
And so Moses is insecure for all of these five reasons he puts in Scripture uh, in text. But let me just tell you a few others. Firstly, if you didn't know, Moses, he's a criminal in hiding. I think that would create insecurity in me <laughs> if someone showed up and said, hey, I'd like you to go back over there. I'd be like, well, actually, I'm trying to keep my head down. He really does struggle to express himself. He is a Hebrew by blood, but an Egyptian by culture. I think he's someone who maybe in and of himself is confused about really who he is. Maybe he feels a little bit like a foreigner in his own body. And then lastly, and, and by no means least, he is in a desert having a conversation with a tree. Do you know what I mean? Like, if anything's going to create insecurity in me, it's having a conversation with a bush. <laughs> it's like, do you know what I mean? You start to think, hang on, is everything okay here? But maybe you've been feeling some sense of lack in your life recently. Well, I've got good news for you because God speaks straight back in uh, to these disqualifications, his encouragements, his promises, in a way that I promise you will become foundational to the life that Moses is about to lead the call that he's about to live out in his life. These lessons, these promises, these encouragements, they become the foundation stones of what is to come. So it's good news for you and I as we step into this too. So five encouragements that God wants to speak to your reluctance today. Is that okay? You with me? Yeah, five encouragements to our reluctance. So our first reluctance when Moses is talking about his flawed character, like who am I that I should go? Encouragement one in Exodus three, verse 12. God says, I will be with you. I will be with you. And I felt, I was praying this morning, I, I really felt like when you boil it all down, there's someone here today that just needs to know that God's with them. It just like, take away all the other faith. You're just, you've been longing for God to reveal himself. And I think he wants to declare that promise to you again. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. His second encouragement to Moses, when Moses is saying, Look, I lack knowledge, like this is, I'm not the guy. Suppose I go and they ask me oh, about that question, what do I say then? Moses, uh, God turns around and says to Moses, I am who I am. Say to them, I am has sent me to you. Can we say that together? I am who I am. Let's say that together. I am who I am. As if to say, don't wait around until you think you've comprehended enough about God to be able to go and step into the call that he has for you. It's not the way that it works because God is unboundless. He's unfathomable. Before you ever were, he is the great I am. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He was and is and is to come. And so before you disqualify yourself, I'm wondering, I'm not sure I've got it all figured out. Join the club. It's not the way he's made us. We can't depend entirely on thinking our way through salvation. It requires a step of faith. It requires trusting in the great I am. The all-knowing, but the one who's come close. His third encouragement to Moses, where he's talking about his lack of faith. And he says, what if they don't believe me? God says this, Exodus 4, verse 2. What is that in your hand? A staff, Moses replies. God wants you to live a life accompanied by miracles. Did you know that? 
God wants you to live a life that is accompanied by the kingdom of heaven. And so when you ask this question, like, what if they don't believe me? God's going to say to you, and he says to you today, what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your heart? Who do you have around you? Trust me with it. Why don't you lay out your life on display and allow God's goodness to work through it? I find it such a great reminder that ordinary people can do extraordinary things only because we have an extraordinary God. There is nothing extraordinary about me aside from that, the fact that I have the extraordinary within me. I have got Christ in me. And so let this life of yours be put on display for those lacking in faith. Speak that word of hope. Offer that prayer. Lay on that hand. Speak out in the office. Undo unjust systems and see what God does with your life. Take a risk on God. His fourth encouragement to Moses. Still with me? I know we're going through a lot of scripture here, but I just, I feel like this could be therapy with Jesus. And so I'm just going to keep going. Exodus chapter 4 verse 10, where he's talking about his lack of gifting. I've, I've never been eloquent. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. And then God responds in chapter 4 verse 12, look, I'm going to help you speak. And I'm going to teach you what to say. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it good to be reminded that God equips the called. He doesn't call the equipped. Like he's like, I'm going to coach you on the journey. I'm going to take you step by step. I'm going to tell you what to say next. All you have to do is put one foot in the other. Believe in me again. Trust in me again. Believe that I can do it again and again. I can do it. Just trust in me step by step. And then fifthly, when he's talking about his fear of failing, Oh, Lord, please just send someone else. Bubbling up from within him is this subconscious desire to count himself out, like the ultimate imposter syndrome moment. Has anyone ever experienced an imposter syndrome moment in their life? He's having one of these right now. And all credit to Moses, he almost convinces God, if you read the passage, to give up on him. He's like, says like, like the Lord's anger is like beginning to like rise up. And he's getting a bit wound up and he gets to this point where he says this to Moses, God responds. Okay, Moses, <laughs> verse 14. What about your brother Aaron? I know he can speak well. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, look, I'm going to help both of you. As if to say, I'm not going to count you out. I'm just going to add your brother into your blessing. You know, he's like, yeah, okay, great. If, you, if you're really that concerned or preoccupied on that hurdle, Here's a friend, and let me tell you, that is one of the greatest gifts of the church, that he will put people around you in your family, in this community, in your workplace. They're going to help you on the journey. But then he says this, down in verse uh, 17, his closing parting line to Moses, but you better take this stuff in your hands so that you can perform miraculous signs with it. <laughs> I love that. It's like, he's like, no, no, not me, not me. Thinks he's got off the hook with his brother. I'll let, I'll let him do the big speeches uh, to the city. And he says, no, I want you to take the stuff. Watch me part the seas. Watch me set my people free. Watch me cause water to flow from the rocks. See what I do through you. Take up your stuff. Amen? So let me translate this for you. God wants to use you. God has called you. In spite of all your insecurities that you may even be processing right now in your own heart, God has called you. And he is in pursuit of you in a way he's not going to let you off the hook because he loves you far much, let insecurity win the day. 
And so if you come to church today feeling a sense of lack, let me remind you, his promise can overcome if only you'd let him in. But that's not all. God wants you to know his own character. Not just your character on display and him having to respond. He wants you to know his character. I want to take us back to the passage we started by reading. The final verse, Exodus 3 verse 6. When he first speaks to Moses, he says to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Do you know this is actually the first time in Scripture that God refers to himself in this way as the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? It's never been done before. This is like principle of first mention. He never even referred to himself in this way to uh, Jacob himself. This is the first time. And what's significant about that? Well, if, if you know the story, God actually tells Jacob uh, in Genesis chapter 32 that his name was in fact Israel. He was renaming Jacob for a new life and for a new purpose because the name Jacob actually means deceiver. See, Jacob was a bit of a trickster and uh, he stole his brother's birthright. If you know the story, he was the one who wrestled with God as well. You see, Israel was who he was meant to be, but Jacob was who he was struggling to let go of, right? And I wonder if anyone can relate to that. Like, I know, God, who you're calling me to be. I I know what you've got in store for me. I know what you've planned for me and spoken over my life. But if I'm honest, I struggle to let this stuff all go. But I want you to read again in this verse. God doesn't describe himself to Moses as Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, meaning that something else is going on. He actually calls himself Abraham, Isaac, And Jacob, which reminds me that God is not just the God of the best parts of my life. He's the God of the worst parts too. He's the God of my Abraham, not Abram. He renamed him. He's the God of my Isaac and he's the God of my Jacob. As if to say, you can walk through faith wondering, does God only call me once I get it all right and I get rid of my trickster ways and I get rid of my deceiving ways and God says, no, I have called you as I called Jacob into a new life and I'm going to call you by name and keep calling you by name and keep redeeming you and working on you and pursuing you until you get who I am for you. So God is the God of your failures as much as he's the God of your successes. And this is a great reminder to me this morning. All have fallen short of the glory of God, it says in Scripture. But while we were still sinners, Christ what? He, he died for us. And he made a new way for you and I to access that call. That call that was never on offer before, but it is today. Because Christ died for my failures. And he died for yours. And so God wants you to know that you're called that your reluctances and your insecurities don't have to hold you and that he is the God of both your success and your failure so you can trust in him. But there's one final thing I want you to take from all of this that's going to make it all hold together for you and I as we live this out in the days and weeks and months and years to come and it's this. All of this conversation, all of this undoing of broken narrative, all of this prophetic calling all happens in the context of a fire that won't go out. It all happens in the context of the burning bush. 
That fire is burning because it's refining Moses. It's burning away the stuff he doesn't need to carry into the next season. It's putting in its rightful place what needs to be left behind and what needs to be carried forward. It puts a fire within Moses in this moment that's going to last him a lifetime. The presence of God in the burning bush is not to entertain him for a minute, friends. It's to transform him for a lifetime. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. It doesn't show up to make you feel warm and fuzzy for a moment. No, it's, it's what you are made for. It's to set you up for a life with him forever. We need to become people who are continually focused and refocused on the presence of God. That's how we're going to see the vision come to reality. That's how we're going to see hope when we get around the fire of his presence day after day after day and ask him to refine us and help us and set us aflame again. There's a book I've been reading recently called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by an amazing woman called Ruth Haley Barton. And she uh, depicts this story of Moses like this. She says, ultimately, Moses will come to learn that God's presence will be his promised land. And I want to encourage you. You might be thinking, how do I get there? If only I could just get rid of this habit or this way of thinking or if, I, if only I could just get out of like, my family background and recreate a new future for myself, then I'll be where I need to go. But God says, no, by my presence, let that be your promised land. Because if you stay close to me, I will lead you. I will coach you through every reluctance, every insecurity, every obstacle till you get where you've got to go. Amen. So in the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's what's going to raise faith, transform your life, bring healing, change behavior, bring about transformation. So let's invite the Holy Spirit. And so what I want us to do is uh, we're going to take a moment to stand and, and, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, to come and speak fresh encouragement to our reluctance, to speak his reign again over our failures and to speak his spirit over our lives again. Amen? So would you stand with me as we do that? And right now online, why don't you respond with us just for a few more moments? And um, maybe just so that you're comfortable, maybe just let's close our eyes and fix our attention again on, on the Holy Spirit. His presence is here. That's what makes it holy. And I wonder if it helps you just picture Jesus or picture the Holy Spirit in context maybe of fire and maybe encourage you just to get close to the fire, get close to the Spirit. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you right now afresh. Thank you that you're already here making these moments holy and transforming. And we pray that uh, you will come. So let's just wait right now, each of us. Just in the quiet, let's just wait for God. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.